0: This is the Irrelevant Information Podcast, a podcast about the importance of the unimportant. I'm Rodrigo Nunez, and today we're going to talk about Mount Rushmore. For a while there, when I was in college, I got a weird idea stuck in my head. It's a conspiracy theory, except not really. It's more of a dumb idea than anything else. Anyway, the idea was this. South Dakota doesn't really exist. Why did I think that, you say? Well there's just nothing about South Dakota anywhere. I mean, com- look, compared to North Dakota, North Dakota has the high, like, has that college, right? North Dakota state has the best football team in the second tier of American college football. It has Fargo, which has a Coen brothers movie and an FX show based on Fargo, but South Dakota, nothing. I've never even met anyone from South Dakota, right? But whenever I would bring this up, and I know it's a weird idea, someone would inevitably bring up the one thing that would shut down my argument completely. They'd say, well, what about Mount Rushmore? Mount Rushmore is in South Dakota, and yes, maybe it is, but it's just a strange thing, isn't it? I mean, who would carve four giant heads of presidents into a mountainside in the middle of nowhere, and why? It seems like the kind of thing you'd made up in a story. Giant heads on a mountain? Doesn't that seem kind of made up? And who would do that? Well, my friend, South Dakota is real, believe it or not. And also, believe it or not, despite this weird thought, I've never done drugs. And who would do something like Mount Rushmore? The people of South Dakota. Mount Rushmore is a huge sculpture carved into the Black Hills in Keystone, South Dakota. Keystone is about six hours north and a little east of Denver, Colorado, by car. It has an official population of 337 people, so it's a tiny town. It was originally a mining town, but has become a resort town since the completion of the sculpture. The sculpture itself features four 60-foot heads of presidents of the United States. In order from left to right, it has George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Teddy Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. The sculpture was designed by Gutzon Borglum, who not only created the design but was in charge of the construction of the sculpture, which took 14 years, from 1927 to 1941. The idea for Mount Rushmore and my dumb idea that South Dakota doesn't exist are actually tied together, believe it or not, because Don Robinson, who was a South Dakota state historian in the early 20th century, thought the state needed some sort of tourist attraction, and this is because nobody was visiting the state. He thought that a giant sculpture of some kind in the granite mountains of South Dakota would attract visitors and also perhaps convince people South Dakota was real. I'm going to drop the whole real thing. I know nobody thinks that. But anyway, Mr. Robinson was inspired by another large sculpture on the side of a mountain. That is the Stone Mountain in Georgia, which features the largest bas-relief sculpture in the world depicting three Confederate leaders, Jefferson Davis, Robert E. Lee, and Stonewall Jackson, all of them riding their horse. Now, Stone Mountain is a despicable thing. It's mostly created with funds raised by the United Daughters of the Confederacy and was the birthplace of the second Ku Klux Klan in 1915, and it was also the site of an annual Labor Day cross-burning ceremony for more than 50 years. That horrendous thing was the inspiration for Mount Rushmore. In fact, the same guy who designed and started that thing was the one Doan Robinson called to create Mount Rushmore. Gutzon Borglum was a member of the Klan and a sculptor. When contacted by Robinson, the idea was to create giant sculptures of famous people related to South Dakota in the needles, which was like a a, a mountain range, a different granite formation from the one that Mount Rushmore became. Robinson proposed people like Lewis and Clark or Lakota chief Red Cloud, but Borglum not only disagreed with the location, saying the needles were too delicate to support a sculpture of that size, he also thought it should be bigger and more significant people than those explorers, people like U.S. presidents. Mount Rushmore was the spot Borglum chose because it was bigger, more solid, and faced southeast, which would mean more sun time on the sculpture. The specific site at the time wasn't called Mount Rushmore, it was called the Six Grandfathers, and it was in the middle of the Great Sioux Reservation, which was conveniently broken up after the U.S. government found gold in the Black Hills, thus allowing construction to actually happen. The name Mount Rushmore comes from a man by the name of Charles E. Rushmore, who was a rich dude born in New York who lived in South Dakota and was conveniently the largest donator to the sculpture project. The original design of Mount Rushmore was different from the four disembodied heads that the monument later became. It was originally supposed to feature all the upper bodies of the four, but specifically Washington and Lincoln. Think of like the head all the way down to the waist of every one of the people on there. And these four guys were rep- were chosen because they represented the nation's birth, growth, development, and preservation, respectively. So Washington is birth, Jefferson is growth, you know, the Louisiana Purchase. Teddy is a development, I guess, all the trust busting and all the army and all that stuff. And preservation, obviously, was Lincoln during the Civil War. But I have to say, Teddy probably is the beneficiary of recency bias since he was, like, it was barely the 1920s, right? The project received congressional approval during President Calvin Coolidge's presidency in 1925 and carving started two years later in 1927. About 400 workers worked on the monument. The technique used to sculpt the mountain was to use dynamite to blow up huge chunks of granite and then a process called honeycombing, where workers would drill holes close to each other, then pick off by hand the smaller pieces after the big blow ups. In total, more than 400,000 tons of granite were gracefully blown off the mountain. By July 4th, 1934, Washington's face had been completed and was dedicated. The face of Thomas Jefferson was dedicated two years later in 1936. Now, originally, Tommy J. was supposed to be on the left side of George Washington, but after they started him, they found that the mountain there was too unstable, so they just blew off the face that had just started and started on the left side of George Washington. Abraham Lincoln was dedicated on 1937, a year after Thomas Jefferson, and then two years after that, in 1939, the face of Theodore Roosevelt was finally dedicated. In total, the project cost $989 million, and it wasn't even fully done. Remember, originally, it was to display the presidents from head to waist, but right as the war was starting, and despite making it through the Great Depression, the government decided enough money was spent on it, with $989 million though. There is a little matter of the legality of it all, though. As if hiring a clan member to design it wasn't bad enough, the U.S. federal government had set up a treaty with the Lakota Sioux people in 1868, known as the Treaty of Fort Laramie. And in it, the government had granted the Black Hills to the Lakota people in perpetuity. However, that land was taken away in, was taken away by the government in 1876 in what is known as the Great Sioux War. The sole purpose of the war was to own the Black Hills since gold had been found there. So, the US government granted the land to the Lakota Sioux forever, then they find gold so they go to war against them to take away the land. And once that's all done, they dynamite the face of four of the US presidents into one of their sacred mountains. That's super cool, US government. (laughs) To this day, the Lakota Sioux decry the construction of Mount Rushmore, and in fact the ownership of the, of those mountains by the U.S. government as illegal. Some of the Lakota Sioux even proposed a counter-monument to rival Mount Rushmore featuring one of the greatest Sioux of all time, a man by the name of Crazy Horse. In 1939, Henry Sanding Bear, an Oglala Lakota chief, wrote to the Department of the Interior offering 900 of his own acres in exchange for a mountain in the Black Hills to honor Crazy Horse with a monument. The government agreed, but Standing Bear refused to take any federal funds for the project. Standing Bear also wrote one of the sculptors who worked on Mount Rushmore, a man by the name of Korczak Silkowski, to design this sculpture. The site for the monument is on Thunderhead Mountain, about 17 miles from Mount Rushmore. The monument of Crazy Horse is proposed to be 563 feet high and 641 feet long. And it would depict Crazy Horse on his horse pointing out. The arm of Crazy Horse would be 263 feet long and the head would be 87 feet tall. In other words, it would tower over Mount Rushmore and it would be the second largest statue in the world after that huge statue of unity in India, which I spoke about in an earlier episode of this podcast, which you should look up, called The World's Tallest Statue. Anyway, The statue has been in construction since 1948 and given its massive size and the fact that federal funds are refused, it's far from being completed. In fact, the face was barely completed in 1998 and work was restarted recently in 2011. The construction is managed by the Crazy Horse Memorial Foundation, which is still accepting donations by the way. This is about Much more than a sculpture, though. There's also like an education and cultural center planned and a satellite campus of the University of South Dakota. It's a lot. It's about a lot more than a giant structure, even though the giant statue is a big part of it, maybe even the central part of it, right? But even this sculpture has some criticisms from circles within the Lakota. For example, in his 1972 autobiography, John Fire Lame Deer, a Lakota medicine man, said, quote, The whole idea of making a beautiful wild mountain into a statue of him is a pollution of the landscape. It is against the spirit of crazy horse. End quote. There's other activists of the Lakota people that compare this statue to like a Christian going to Israel, which is a holy land, Right. Of course, it's not just for Christians, but for Jews and Muslims and starting carving up the mountain of Zion. So they see that as that much because Thunderhead Mountain is a holy site, just like the rest of the Black Hills. So they kind of see it as controversial or hypocritical against the spirit of crazy horse. They just see it as something that shouldn't be done. And this is ultimately what I wanted to bring up. Dynamiting faces of anyone onto any mountain is strange. It's weird. It's unnatural. Those four faces on Mount Rushmore will erode at one tenth of an inch every 1000 years, meaning they'll be there for a long time. And long after our country fades away and our culture fades away, And no one remembers what America was and all the crimes and horrendousness that we did to the Lakota people and all the racism of the three dudes painted riding across the mountain in Georgia with all the racist funding and cross burning associated to it. When all of that is gone, all that is left is a nasty set of marks, some nasty deformities, unnatural alterations on a beautiful set of mountains. All that remains is humanity's carelessness and short-sightedness. We care so little about the world around us that we consider the deforming and near-permanent ruining of a mountain a tourist attraction. More so than a monument to this country's greatness, Mount Rushmore is a monument to the ego of America, who apparently as a culture we believe that mountains are there to be used as canvases for our great civilization, not realizing that we'll be gone long before they are. Any sculpture on any mountain is ridiculous, but one that has as much history as Mount Rushmore does is extra ridiculous. Maybe the people of South Dakota should have come up with a better way to convince the world they actually exist. That's it for this week's episode of the Irrelevant Information Podcast. We are back. Um, hope you had a happy new year. Um, this year's going to be pretty cool. There's going to be a couple of changes to the podcast, hopefully a little bit more um, different subjects. Follow us on Twitter at IrrelevantPub, or my personal account is at Rod Nunez, Rod underscore N-U-N-E-Z. If you have any suggestions for any topics or anything you want to hear, any follow-ups, reach out. The links are in the show notes. And as always, OR4 did nothing wrong. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.